0: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and putting a bow on the pros and cons series with the number six overall pick. I've enjoyed this exercise quite a bit. Uh, the past week, we've explored Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddell, the Alabama wide receivers, and now... You asked for it, and you're going to get it. Offensive tackle Penny Sewell from the Oregon Ducks. The pros and cons of the proposition of drafting Penny Sewell with the number six overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. I think when you build the case for Miami to consider Penny Sewell, and I'd like to be very transparent right off the jump of today's show. This is not a move that I would endorse. This is not a decision that I would be behind and excited about. I can respect the talent that Pene Sewell has, the physical skill set that he provides. But from a team building perspective, I think there's some pitfalls to this idea and we'll get into them when we get into the cons. But I want to do Pene Sewell do justice because I know there is a large portion of the fan base that is in support of this potential decision because the offensive line struggles of the Miami Dolphins have been so prominent for so long, and I understand that. So let's talk about Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman. Uh, Penny Sewell, 330-pound left tackle, rare movement skills for his size. He is very, very athletic, uh, tested quite well uh, at the Oregon Pro Day after sitting out the 2020 season. Uh, still managed to come out and, and showcase himself quite well uh, at the Oregon Pro Day. So you see the athleticism, and when you watch Penny Sewell play, it becomes quite apparent rather quickly that his ability to win with athleticism uh, makes him a different breed, and that's what people refer to, and I wouldn't subscribe to the idea personally that Penny Sewell is a quote-unquote generational talent. I know that's a big buzz phrase. Um, I wouldn't classify anybody other than maybe Kyle Pitts for his respective position in this year's class as a generational type prospect. A Sewell has rare physical tools for his size and stature. And you watch him get out outside the hashes and outside the numbers in the screen game. You watch him have success in zone concepts and, and working across the face of blockers and just being really light on his feet, uh, that's where Pene Sewell, the offensive tackle prospect, shines. And uh, I'm once again tapping into uh, the fine folks over at Pro Football Focus. Their annual draft guide and some of the splits that they have on the prospects are, are very helpful. Uh, for example, Pene Sewell, when blocking in zone concepts, and this is the first bullet point that you could use to advocate for the Dolphins. 95.7% blocking in zone rushing concepts. His overall rushing grade, run block grade, was 957 as well. In 2019, the last time he played. So, for a team like the Dolphins, he's going to check your physical boxes, right? Because we've seen the Dolphins and what they covet based on all of the offensive line acquisitions that they have made is they value and covet density and lower body explosiveness you look across all of the offensive line acquisitions that Miami has made for offensive linemen who have tested at the combine your 320 325 plus for offensive tackles your 315 plus if you're an interior offensive lineman I mean, Eric Flowers, they, they signed him, he's 340. Sal McKinley, 350. Uh, Robert Hunt, 335. Austin Jackson, 320. Like, everybody's really dense, and they were at least the 60th percentile in the standing broad jump. That was one of the common threats. Penny Sewell jumped 9 feet and 1 inches at 330 pounds. So 330 pounds, check the box. It's done. 9 feet, 1 inch. Not a math guy. But that's 109 inches. 109 inches for offensive tackles would qualify as the 84th percentile in the standing broad jump. So from a raw physical tools perspective, Penny Sewell checks all the same boxes that every other offensive lineman the Dolphins have acquired, including Isaiah Wilson and yada, yada, yada. He checks all those same boxes. And his run grade in zone, being so high, according to our friends at Pro Football Focus, is a good affirmation because the Dolphins ran a ton of inside zone. They spread you out, they tried to manufacture light boxes, and they tried to zone you inside. So Penesul is a scheme fit and a systemic fit and a traits fit for what the Dolphins have coveted. That's the good news. And he's young, too. He was 19 years old in 2019 as a true sophomore. And just him winning in the Pac-12 with, in the way in which he did was really impressive. You compare that with what the Dolphins have along the offensive line. And everybody's argument is going to be you can take Penne Sewell, and you can put him on the offensive line, and I would not question he's a better option at offensive tackle than either Austin Jackson or Robert Hunt, as things currently stand. Can't argue that. And if you upgrade him there, can you then ergo take Robert Hunt and kick him inside to right guard and make the right guard spot better and move the other tackle opposite Pene Sewell? if if you're going to play Penne Sewell on the left-hand side. Because I I know we're going to point to Penne playing in a right-handed stance in in the prep level or whatever, uh, but Pene Sewell did not take any snaps in either 2018 or 2019. He took no snaps anywhere other than left tackle. 924 snaps in 2019, 448 snaps in 2018. He did not play anywhere else the last three years. So he's left tackle and I'm sorry, but I understand that there's a dynamic and a debate of playing the blind side, but I'm not taking a tackle in the top six and then asking him to flip his stance around. That to me is really risky as far as you start tinkering with stuff that does not fit the puzzle piece that you drafted You've got to make the infrastructure around somebody that you're going to covet that highly, you're going to have to make it work for him. So if you're drafting Penny Sewell, I'm drafting him to play left tackle. And if you want to try and move Austin Jackson over to right tackle, there's a conversation to be had there. One of the other arguments for drafting an offensive tackle at six is the depth of the wide receiver class. And I would not disagree that It's a really deep wide receiver class. Uh, You're seeing a trend in which there's a lot of receivers that come into the league Uh, as second and third round options on day two, and those guys make an immediate impact. And if you play your cards right, you can be that team that finds that player. I wish it was that easy because then everybody would do it, right? But it is something that's worth noting. This is a trend we're starting to see more day two receivers coming in and finding more ways to impact their teams straight away. We've been telling you about our friends at Built Bar for quite some time here on the Locked On Network. So whether you are looking for something that's keto-friendly, something to start your day, something post-workout, something quick for on-the-go, Built Bar can be that answer for you and your daily routine. It is the delicious protein bar that tastes like candy bar. 18 different flavors at your disposal Low calories, high in protein, high in fiber, low in sugars, and best of all, these things taste delicious. Right now, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your next order at BuiltBar.com. So head over to the website, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: I would like the record to state that I've put my due diligence forward. I've put my best foot forward to make the case to draft Penny Sewell, but now I'm going to give you my perspective as somebody who personally does not subscribe to the idea that Penny Sewell should be the choice for the Miami Dolphins. We just got done talking about the depth of the wide receiver class. And we've talked about the trends of day two wide receivers coming in and finding impact for their respective teams. I will tell you this. This year's draft class For as stacked as it is at wide receiver, it is equally stacked along the offensive line. You have a slew of really talented offensive tackles. You have plenty of players who have positional versatility. Elijah Vera Tucker, Alex Leatherwood, depending on what flavor you want to go for. Uh, These are guys who have both played guard and tackle. You've got guys like Landon Dickerson who can play both center and guard. Quinn Miners, center and guard. Varying degrees of value for these choices. You have a lot more flexibility in securing quality offensive linemen that should be able to step in and start for you throughout the first 50 picks in which the Dolphins have four selections as things are currently scheduled. The other thing that I have really subscribed to, I suppose you could say, uh, throughout the course of my time in, in this industry is the offensive line, the sum of the whole is more than the sum of the individual parts. I genuinely believe that. You need to have complementary skill sets. You need to have strong chemistry and communication. And one player is not going to fix your offensive line. You don't have to look any further than when Laramie Tunsil was here, how good Laramie Tunsil was, how good Laramie Tunsil was when he went to Houston. And for all the other investments that Houston made, they didn't pick good players, and they had a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who liked to create big plays, and at times that led to holding the ball longer within the pocket and more sacks taken. You could also make the argument that sacks are just as much of a quarterback stat. And in many times, that's the case. Being able to understand pressure, identifying the front properly to make sure that you're setting the protection, understanding when you're hot and where your are hot is, and making sure you get the ball out of your hands, that, more than anything was one of my biggest critiques with Tua Tagovailoa coming out of the University of Alabama. He wanted to make too many plays happen within the pocket. And there were times in which he held the ball too long, Learn when to live another down. Now, I thought he tightroped that fairly well, but the games that went off the rails for Tua, the Denver game specifically, really stands out. You start holding the ball... You're not seeing the field confidently. You want to let things develop, and your offensive lineman's getting teed off on. And you heard Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of that game. Sometimes it's read one, read two, got to make a throw and ask your guy to make a play for you. There is plenty of blame that falls at the feet of quarterbacks in bad pressure situations. Good example of that was Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2019. Uh, Fitzpatrick was sacked 40 times that season, a sack rate of four, 7.4%. But I challenge you to go back and rewatch that season with that offensive line and tell me there was any chance that Fitzpatrick was not going to be sacked 60-plus times and lead the league in sacks. The offensive line was abysmally bad that season. But Fitzpatrick, with the experience that he has, managed to navigate that and was sacked 40 times. And then in the games that he played, the nine games that he played, he had 267 dropbacks. He was sacked 14 times, a sack rate of 5%. So a significant drop uh, from in 2020. Conversely, to a sack rate... Uh, as a rookie, was 6.5%. So not bad. He was sacked uh, 20 times in 290 dropbacks. So he was sacked at a higher rate than Fitz. You would expect that with his lack of experience. That's an area of growth for Tua specifically, that when you take that, his growth, his understanding of fronts, the Dolphins' growth on the offensive line with the youth that they have... I'm not saying they have all the answers up front. But I'm saying a year under your belt, a year of continuity with a lot of the pieces, it should help. I'm not advocating for the Dolphins to not address. If you want to get Jesse Davis out of here and get a swing tackle in in the draft, whether that's Stone Forsythe from University of Florida or somebody else, You want to get an interior offensive lineman, you want to get a center that's going to push Matt Skura, whether that's Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, or somebody else, I'm all for that. But you just spent two top 40 picks on offensive tackles. And I'm sorry, but Robert Hunt looked good at right tackle. He did. He kicked ass in the running game, if we're being completely honest. They They finally put him in. They got comfortable with starting two rookies next to each other. And Robert Hunt started doing what, exactly what you would expect Robert Hunt to do. And I remember all throughout the summer in the build-up the last season, I was asked, which offensive lineman do you feel has the most direct pathway to starting right away? And my answer was Robert Hunt because I did not foresee Solomon Kinley winning the right guard job and then having the potential from opening day to a rookie starting next to each other. These players are going to get better. The Dolphins just invested heavily in the offensive tackle position. And unlike some other positions out there, like quarterback, we just saw this with Sam Darnold. We saw this with Josh Rosen and the Dolphins and how they got involved. If you invest in a quarterback and then things don't work out and you decide it's time to move on, teams will make enough excuses to give you a reasonable haul. Miami gave up a 2 And a 5 for Josh Rosen, one year after he was a first-round selection, 10th overall. The Jets got a 2, a 4, and a 6 for Sam Darnold. Y'all have seen Sam Darnold play the last three years. Would you have given up a 2, a 4, and a 6 for him? No. He's been objectively bad as the starting quarterback of the New York Jets. But, bad environment, bad coach, big surprise there. Boom, 2, a 4, and a 6. You can't do that at other positions. And if your solution to this is we're going to take somebody who we spent a top 20 pick on, whether it's Penny Sewell or Austin Jackson, and we're going to ask that guy to learn to play on the other side of the line, and it doesn't work out, and you need to move on because your leash is short... You're not going to get anywhere near optimal return on investment for that decision. And that was a decision the Dolphins just made. Austin Jackson has plenty of physical tools to work with of his own. Now, he's not as big and athletic as Penae Sewell, but he was a big athletic tackle prospect who was raw from a technique perspective. And the dirty little secret about Penny Sewell... I don't think he's overly refined as an offensive lineman, as a technician anyway. That's why there's this big push for Rayshon Slater potentially being the best offensive lineman in the draft. Because Rayshon Slater from Northwestern, he doesn't have the prototypical length. He's not 330 pounds, but he's light on his feet, and he knows how to use his hands, and he has good strike timing. And he stonewalled Chase Young when they played Ohio State. Genuine question. Who's the best pass rusher that Pene Sewell has blocked? I don't have an answer. It's Joe Tryon. And I like Joe Tryon as a prospect. That's not meant a shade. But the Pac-12 has not provided adequate tests for an offensive tackle in Pene Sewell who won consistently because of his athleticism, not because of his technical prowess. And if you start playing musical chairs... Now you've got two offensive tackles that the book was relatively the same on. there were athletic but not technicians. You start moving guys around like that, that is a recipe for disaster. That is how busts get accelerated. Now maybe Austin Jackson, you keep him at left tackle, we get two more years down the road, and it becomes apparent that, like yeah, he's gotten better, but he's really not where he needs to be. You now ask him to change his stance and learn the... Un- unlearn the muscle memory that we just put in place over the past 12 months. And man, that can get really ugly really quick. You think about some of the, these draft busts and it's their environment. It's the the time and investment and patience versus just moving them around and, and trying to manufacture an opportunity to get them on the field without properly investing in, in catering and growing him as a player. And I did not think Austin Jackson played well last year. I think Austin Jackson right now is a very easily upgradable player on the Dolphins offensive line. But you have to project for growth. You have to understand this was an investment the Dolphins just made 18 overall. You pull the plug on that year one, you're either moving him to the right side and rolling the dice that it's not going to completely ruin what you taught him to play on the left side when he wasn't a technician to begin with, so it's not natural. Or alternatively, The wheels come off, and you've now got major sunk costs that you were going to have a next to impossible time trying to recoup. Because Orlando Brown's still out there on the market. And Orlando Brown wants to play left tackle. And Orlando Brown has played at a much higher level than what Austin Jackson has. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of your favorite sports action. The football season may be over, but NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I think, an emphasis on think, I covered all the angles that I wanted to for why I would not advocate for the Dolphins drafting Penny Sewell. There's no denying For my money, he's the top offensive lineman in the class. His athletic profile is very, very promising, and it checks all the boxes that the Dolphins would ever want based on their past trends in investing in offensive tackles. There's untapped potential and much higher ceiling, and he would immediately be an upgrade at left tackle. Those are some of the pros. The cons, the Dolphins just invested two top 40 picks in offensive tackles, and Robert Hunt gave you no reason to boot him from the lineup if they choose to do that. So be it. But he inspired me with his play based on when he played this past season to give him a chance to play left ta- or to play right tackle long term. And I think the investment opportunity of another offensive tackle, your third in the top forty in two years it does cost you the opportunity to make some to to address position of more pressing need and i think the dolphins biggest issues are going to lie on the inside eric flowers needs to get out of the starting lineup would i be surprised if he's in the starting lineup in 2021 no because of his financial situation and he was the leader of the of the unit So I understand why Eric Flowers is probably going to have a spot at the table and his contract is next to non-tradable. You'd have to give up assets in addition to Flowers just to get him off the roster and clear space. Matt Skura could potentially be a serviceable starting center, just like Ted Karras was a serviceable starting center. But you need an anchor in the middle. You need a keystone, a cornerstone, somebody in the middle to hold it down and lock it down. For me, that's Landon Dickerson. But you can't, like, what, the Dolphins started three rookies last year on the offensive line at left tackle, right guard, and right tackle. And the two players that were in the middle, Karras was fine. I wouldn't say he was good, he was fine. And Eric Flowers is an upgradable player, but you knew that the moment you signed him to the contract. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is disputing that the Dolphins need to be significantly better along the offensive line. But I don't think offensive tackle is at the top of the list of problems here. And you can get really good into your offensive linemen on day two, and you can get some talented swing tackles at the end of day two, beginning of day three. There's some developmental guys that I think would be worth a shot. And if you get your choice of the pass catchers there at six and you pass up on it for Penny Sewell, then, man, like we are just beating a dead horse here. Trying to get tackle right, but it, you, ha- you got to get all five spots right. And I think even if Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley end up becoming long-term answers, and I'd like to think they're all physically capable of that with varying degrees of confidence that they'll actually become that, I know for a fact you don't have an answer at left guard. And you probably don't have an answer, or at least you don't have a long-term answer based on the contract situation at center either. So instead of tripling down on offensive tackle, why don't we address what we need to address in the heart of the offensive line? Because the only investment that you made in the draft purposes was Solomon Kinley in the fourth round. Okay, let's go out and get us a center. Because a, a guy on the offensive line is capable of elevating the play or, or diminishing the play of whoever is next to him. It is a collective unit, and that's why chemistry, cohesion, those things matter on the offensive line. So instead of continuing to reshuffle the same spots, and I know offensive tackle is romanticized because it's a big-money position – Miami's got some talent there to work with. Let's see what they can do with it, and let's get the spots around those young guys better with more young guys that are going to continue to be cheap contracts, and let's see how things turn out. If Jesse Davis ends up being your seventh offensive lineman and he can play all over the place, then you're in great shape. A couple of utility guys they can play all over. Dieter, great depth to have. He could play any of the three interior spots. Jesse Davis, he could play probably four of the the five spots. You need better talent in the middle. You need player development on the outside, but you need better talent in the middle. And that's why I wouldn't advocate Sewell. I hope you guys enjoyed. I know this is not going to be a a universal opinion. I embrace the discourse as long as it's respectful. You guys want to have the conversation. You can find me on, on Twitter grinding the tape, or locked on fins with a PH. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. We got two more shows this week, lots to look forward to, so hit subscribe on the podcast. Come back and see me again soon. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for listening. Fins up. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day.